First Marcus Smart, now Grant Williams is gone. The reality of the new CBA is really hitting Celtics fans hard as the Seas are forced to let Grant Williams ride off into the Texas sunset and the Celtics' vaunted defense suddenly looks quite vulnerable. What's the latest on Jalen Brown's status anyway? Will he resign long-term in Boston or can we expect more fireworks? And with the rest of the league spending mad cash, the Celtics have been bargain shopping in free agency. We'll take a closer look at O'Shea Brissett and Delano Banton. It's early July, people, and if you need a nitro shot of Celtics optimism, Ron and Guillermo are here for you. Have a seat and chill for a while inside Lucky's Lounge. Let's go. Just how crazy of a Boston Celtics fanatic are you? Have you ever named a pet or even a child after a Celtics player? Have you ever driven to French Lick, Indiana to shoot a jumper on Larry's childhood driveway? Or maybe you've dumped a girl because a Celtic got hurt at the game you took her to. If so, you'll be right at home here at Lucky's Lounge. I'm Captain Ron Flanders, joined by Guillermo Diaz. And Guillermo, because we are the most passionate fans in the league, nights like tonight can be pretty tough. While you were playing a basketball game in the uh, Starland League. By the way, we'll want an update on that quickly. Some major news broke in the NBA. Anybody that's listening to this knows that Grant Williams is gone. I have some questions, but first, how was your game? Uh, it was a great game. It, we I played for the Sousa Scorers and played against the Hanover Hornets. Uh, good team effort. Everybody loved the energy that I brought tonight, which was awesome. Both teams uh, played hard. Who won? We did not win. Uh, the team is now 0-4. I just joined them tonight. <laughs> uh, but it was a good run. Hey, Souza, you know, let me give you a little tip here. If your team is named the Scorers, your priorities are placed in the wrong place. And I'm starting to wonder if Brad Stevens is not remaking this team in the image of the Souza Scorers because – we, we are placing a lot of priority on stars and scorers and maybe not as much as we used to on things like grit and defense. Grant Williams tonight, you know, we had a question before tonight's podcast. I had three questions. One, where is Grant Williams going? Two, how much money is he going to make in this new crazy world in the NBA? And three, how the hell did Grant Williams get invited to the white party up in the Hamptons? We got answers to two of those questions tonight with a three-team trade. Guillermo, break it down for us. Yeah, big trade. Again, coming out of the game, a tough loss. But uh, seeing him go to Dallas in the three-team trade for four years, $54 million, which is great for him, happy for him. Really wanted him back on the Celtics uh, and then seeing Reggie Bullock go to the Spurs with a pick swap in 2030, second-round pick swap for the Spurs, and the Celtics picking up three second-round picks, 2024, 2025, and 2028. I, I think that has been revised, Guillermo, to two second-round picks. Okay. But they did get – the Celtics get two second-round picks, I think, uh, and a trade exception of about $6.5 million for what that's worth. Correct. So a guy that had the Celtics, and by the way, this I don't know if 
Grant Williams will ever get invited to a party like that again because <laughs> it was a party that Tom Brady, uh, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown were invited to. But apparently, I did not know this, apparently Grant is friendly with Luka Doncic. So maybe he will still get invited. The deal negotiated by Bill Duffy, his agent, and all four years guaranteed at $54 million. There's no player options. There's no team options. Pretty solid deal for a guy of Grant's physical stature. But I think what this deal would have cost the Celtics would have been an additional $40 million. So I think whatever this deal was, I think it would have been $40 million this year alone out of right. Wick Grousebeck's pocket. And that not to mention any of the other subsequent years. So, you know, Brad Stevens, when he made this deal for Porzingis, he came out and said, you know, I'm being authorized to be, to spend by the ownership. And what we have seen since then is a little bit of a dump. Now, we since we last joined you, Brad did negotiate a two-year extension with Kristaps Porzingis, two years, $60 million. So a little bit of a pay reduction for the unicorn over the next couple of years. But what does this mean for the Celtics moving forward in, in 2023, 2024 without Marcus Smart, without Grant Williams and uh, relying on a couple of injury prone big men, a 37 year old guy. And, and of course, Malcolm Brogdon is not ready to, will probably not be ready to play on opening night. Yeah, this is really interesting. I always trust what Brad has been doing since draft night. He's accumulated seven second round picks I foresee, like everybody on Twitter who's going crazy, something else coming. So the waiting game is started. I know there's a lot of speculation on Dame still and some other big names like Paul George. Something else has to be coming because we'll talk about the free agent signings, but it has not been the fireworks uh, that we're accustomed to uh, being with the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And Chris Forsberg tweeting out right now, and I think he he puts it very, very astutely. The second apron, which is the number that the Celtics are just barely under right now, under the new CBA, if you cross that apron, you are essentially hard capped. You cannot add any players. So the second apron is really putting a huge damper on our second unit, our starting lineup, if you look at it, Derek White, Jalen Brown at the two currently, which is a major advantage for the Celtics. You know how Brown dominates smaller guards in the post. He can take them down to that free throw line area and, and just score at will. Jason Tatum at the three, Kristaps Porzingis at the four, and essentially Rob Williams at the five. That's a very good starting lineup, and but the bench is a lot thinner after the, the loss of Grant Williams, Guillermo. Yeah, that's what has me a little worried. Again, like you said, 37-year-old Al Horford, Brogdon possibly not being ready to go at the start of the season. Still have Hauser, still have Pritchard, have options to guarantee Cornette 
and Champagne. And then additionally added Brissette, Banton. So not really the depth that we're looking for. There's still a little bit of a free agent pool to pick from. But with these nine second-round picks that Brad has, I'm looking forward to something else happening. Well, there's a, you talked about people going crazy on Twitter, and I wanted to give you a couple of tweets. Um, first, our tweet of the week, and, and it's from Brad Auerbach. No, I don't know if there's a relation to uh, the patriarch, but he's at Celtics Post, and uh, he tweeted, there's one person that's happier Grant Williams got the bag in Dallas than Grant Williams. And then he has a, a gif of Giannis smiling in a very joyful fashion. I think that's a very good point. Another one was from New York Basketball, at NBA underscore New York. I think this is an MSG account. Pretty much, a, a, it's a blue check account affiliated with the Knicks. And it says, thank you, Brad Stevens, for shipping both these guys west. And there's a picture there of Marcus Smart and Grant Williams in their NBA Finals warm-up shirts. I think, and we'll talk about the rest of the league later in the show in our third segment, but it's true. Milwaukee has got to be loving this because... I've heard Brian Windhorst say the Bucks are the favorites now because, you know, they won 58 games. We won 57 games, but we dominated the Bucks in the regular season. We won two out of three in the one game we lost. We didn't play any of our top six guys, and we still took them to overtime. The vice grip that we put on Giannis, I mean, we're better at defending Giannis than any other team. At least we were better because when you have guys like Al Horford, Grant Williams and Marcus Smart, it's very difficult for Giannis to just put his head down and get to the rim. That's gone now. And so in addition to scoring depth and shooting depth and and all those things, defensively, I think we're we're less versatile and we're relying on maybe some players in in uh Christoph's Porzingis and others that have different skill sets. Make maybe make us better offensively, but make us different defensively. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are about this. Yeah, and that was huge with the coaching change last year. We saw with Udoka, the Celtics were defense priority, and with Coach Missoula, it switched to offense. So possibly this this is helping his mind of the form of basketball that we want to play. And I'm hoping a guy like Brissett, maybe even Jordan Walsh at times, if we have to throw him out there, can be there to take those charges and man up Grant. Uh, sorry, Giannis, like Grant and Marcus used to do, having them on the team. This is this is huge. Yes. Now, Missoula, more of an analytics freak, a guy who loves the three-point shot, and yes, puts a little bit more, seemingly puts more emphasis on offense. But when you talk about defense, you're right, there were some changes there as well. The Celtics, I think, were one of the first under Brad Stevens to really usher in this positionless basketball system and a system where we switch automatically on the perimeter. We always switch. And we went from a, a team that, you know, Maybe on the pick and roll, we used to, I remember we used to blitz the pick and roll all the time, but now we just sort of switch it. 
And now it looks like we may be going more to a drop system under Joe Missoula. We saw a lot of that last year where we would have our big men drop down and people were able to hit floaters on us. Porzingis is going to be one of those drop defenders, but a very good drop defender in terms of protecting at the rim, a very good rim protector. So our defense may look different. It may not be as suffocating on the perimeter, uh, but certainly having a guy like Grant Williams who could guard fours and fives, but also against guards switch and maybe stay in front of them. That's not going to happen with Porzingis and a 37 year old, 37 year old Al may not be able to do it either. Yeah. I mean, we still have Rob. We still have Derek white who led the league in blocks. As far as guards, I think he had more blocks than Giannis this past year, to be honest. So I still foresee us being a solid defensive team. And we also have Al who can guard and beat every time we play against him. It'll just be a team effort like we always have done against Giannis. Tatum will have to step up. Brown will have to step up. It's going to have to be that team effort, that Celtic mentality with the switching that uh, Joe Mazzulla does. I think you really hit the nail on the head. We said this last week, but even more so now. And, and you know, you mentioned the seven second-round picks that Brad has acquired uh, and a first-round pick, right? We've got Golden State's pick in addition to our own next year. So two firsts next year, seven second-rounders in the cupboard. So you could say that Brad has acquired a lot of assets and there are – names out there that could be available. Carl Anthony Towns, Damian Lillard, other guys. So it, it may not be over for the Celtics. But as of right now, we've mentioned the players that we have under contract going into next season. And I'm talking about guaranteed deals. You mentioned our starting lineup of White, Brown, Tatum, Porzingis, and Williams. Coming off the bench with the sixth man of the year, Malcolm Brogdon. Al Horford, Peyton Pritchard, and then Sam Hauser. Beyond that, we have our two new guys that we just draft that we just signed, and we'll get into them in a second in our next segment. O'Shea Brissett and Delano Banton, former formerly of the Raptors, and then maybe Luke Cornett, maybe JD Davison, maybe Justin Champigny and Cobb Gale. All of those guys, none of those are guaranteed. So I think, what does that give us in terms of guaranteed players on our roster right now, Guillermo? We've got five, six, seven, eight. We've got 10 players that are inked for the season right now, and then three or four question marks. But the Celtics, they could be active now, if there are players out there who want to sign for the minimum and come play for a team that has a chance to compete for a championship. Yeah. And I think tomorrow will be huge. Momentorium is a start. It's over tomorrow, July 6th. That's when they sign the contracts and deals are finalized. I think things could still be tweaked in other deals. So I think tomorrow will be huge in, in the factor of, what Brad can do, what Brad maybe will do, and with the free agents that are available. Let's see what happens tomorrow. We had some news tonight that really shocked us. 
there had been a lot of talk about Grant Williams, and Dallas was a team that we knew was interested in him. Dallas obviously offensively improved with the addition of Kyrie Irving, but they did not win with him on the team. They had a void defensively. They had a need for versatile defenders. And so Dallas was discussed. Indiana was discussed. We had heard that the Knicks might be interested in Grant Williams, which would have definitely been a worst-case scenario right. for us if, if he had stayed in the division and gone to New York. The and then we heard that Dallas was going to sign Portland Trailblazer, former all-defensive player Matisse Tybel to an offer sheet. So it looked like maybe Dallas was out of the running for him because they were not going to be able to sign him two guys to restricted free agent deals. And then this trade comes in and, and Dallas adds a couple of good defenders now to their team. So the Celtics always were going to try to salvage something out of this in terms of draft picks, but I thought we might get a player. It did not happen. The bright side, Guillermo, is Brad gets more assets. And and do we really think he's going to go into this season with a bench as thin as we we now have? I think they always anticipated losing Grant Williams. This is not a surprise to Brad Stevens. And so there was a plan B. There was a plan C. And I think you're right, Guillermo. Tomorrow or in the next week or two, we're going to find out what that is. Yeah, and we, although Lucky's Lounge, we really wanted him back. Like you said, I think they always knew this was probably going to happen. Dallas also didn't bring back Christian Wood. He's still out there. I wouldn't mind having him on the Celtics. We shall see what the Celtics do to bolster this roster, this bench. We need more depth than what we have, more proven players to play with the starting lineup that we have. I'm going to ask you this, and, you know, we've talked about on this show the the last couple of off-seasons for Brad Stevens have been really good in the sense that he acquired players that put us on the forefront. I mean, I think the last two years we've had the best roster in the league, and we, we got a finals appearance and almost did it again last year. This off-season – it's definitely the jury's still out. In fact, right now, I'm not very happy with the way things have gone. My favorite player and my second favorite player are both gone now, and we look thinner. But it's far from over, folks. Guillermo, uh, give me a reason to be optimistic. Number one reason, Chris Stapps Porzingis. He will be a game changer. He will alleviate the scoring that... Jalen and Jason have to do. So be happy that we have somebody who will break a 2-3 zone that we had so many issues with last year and can carry the scoring load if need be. We still have Derek White. We have the sixth man of the year, Brogdon. So, yes, the depth isn't there, but we have a solid seven uh, going into a potential playoff season. Well, we'll put our seven up against any other seven in the league, but it may take more than that. And you have to think that Brad Stevens, Austin Ainge, Mike Zarin, they have a plan, and uh, they've given us no reason to doubt them over the last couple of years. So we'll give them the benefit of the doubt for now. When we come back, the Celtics have added two new players. 
a lot of casuals were scratching their heads saying who, but Celtics fans know who these guys are, and we'll have our thoughts on Brissette and Banton when we come back on Lucky's Lounge. Don't go away. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge. And before we get started, Guillermo, I want to thank everybody who's been listening so far and spreading the word. We've got listeners now in South Korea, Thailand, from Boston to Bellevue, Nebraska, from sea to shining sea. We've got tons of listeners already uh, in about 20 of the 50 states. And continue to tell a friend, if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating, like, subscribe. And of course, you can always reach us and give Listener feedback at Lucky's Lounge Pod on Twitter. You can DM us and Lucky's Lounge Pod at gmail.com is our email address. So thank you to everybody who's doing that. Continue to like and subscribe and tell a friend. Okay, our two new players, Guillermo. You know, a lot of these teams around the league are throwing out all their money. We've seen the max extensions for all of the guys like. LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards. We've seen the big deals for Fred Van Vliet and some crazy money being spent. Dylan Brooks, other guys, we'll get into that in our next segment. But it seems like good players are getting $15, $20 million a year. The Celtics have nothing like that to spend. They may or may not be able to use a $5 million taxpayer exception. But right now, they're, they're shopping at the dollar store. And they've added two players on league minimum deals. But these players address multiple positions. And they could be sneaky good Brad Stevens signings. So tell us about that. Yeah, I like what O'Shea Brissett and Delano Banton bring as far as length and athleticism. And versatility playing one through four against one through four. And what they'll bring to the table. Not really true shooters like a Hauser or a Pritchard, but that, that's possibly something that they can develop into. Grant Williams wasn't a true shooter uh, until we worked on his game to get him to that point. And we'll see what they bring once they are on the court. They both signed on two-year deals. Brissett has a player option on his second year, and Banton has a team option on his second year. Okay, well, let's let's break these guys down, and I, I, we'll start with Brissett. By the way, I think, you know, the Boston Bruins may have gotten a couple new fans because Celtic fans may or may not know this. Both these guys are Canadian, and they could end up on the Canadian national team. In fact, one or both of them could end up playing on the FIBA team for Canada in the uh, FIBA World Championships. But Brissett was the first guy we signed. And he's 25 years old. He is six foot seven, right? Which mm-hmm. is a pretty good size. But in addition to being six seven, he has a six eleven wingspan. And you know, we talked about that with uh, the other day. We were talking about who? Who were we talking about with? Oh yeah, Jordan Walsh, who has a a seven one wingspan. So another guy, in addition to Jordan Walsh, that has a, a good size frame and tremendous length. Brissett is maybe not the best shooter statistically. Can you give us his career numbers and splits from the shooting? Sure. 
career numbers are. So from the three-point line, he has shot 34.4%. From the field goal range, he has shot 41.2%. And a free throw, 71.9%. So the 41, 30, small, small, small buckets, only 40, only 172 games played. Okay. Now I'm, that sounds pretty pedestrian, but a couple of things, there was a great feature on Brissett in on boston.com written by Connor Roche on July one. If you want to check that out, a couple of the highlights from that feature. Number one, Brissett scorched the Celtics. I think his career high he had against us, he had 27 in a game where he hit six three-pointers. And I mentioned that when we signed him, he was a guy that, you know, Brad Stevens seems to like guys that usually kill us. And uh, Danny Ainge did a little bit of that too. But Brissett shot against us 48% from the field and 54% from three. He likes the corner three. He likes shooting at the garden. Those are two good things. Another thing about Brissett was the more he played in Indiana, the better he shot. This past season, he didn't play as much, and his shooting numbers dropped. But when he was getting bigger numbers in the 21-22 season, he shot 42% from three and 48% from the field. So the bigger the role he plays, the better he might do. And the corner office was just vacated by Grant Williams. So maybe Brissett comes in and plays that role. There will be lots of corner threes available with Jalen Brown on the court and with Porzingis on the court. Yeah, and what I like that both of these guys bring, their slashers, their cutters, they're going to keep moving. And I think that's one of the issues we had last year. Everybody just played five out and watched either Tatum or Brown go to work or even Brogdon or Derek White. So I think the ball movement or the player movement will help the offense and show what they bring to the table. Yeah, and we didn't necessarily need scores. And with the departures of Smart and Williams, what we really need are hustle players. And that's one area that Brissett may be pretty good at. He had a re- he had an offensive rebound percentage over 5 last season, putting him in the 83rd, 83rd percentile in the league. And the Pacers, their their defensive rating was better when he was on the court and worse when he was off the court in each of the seasons that he played. So I think the the gist of it is he's athletic, he's long, he crashes the boards, he can keep the possessions alive for the Celtics, he can possibly hit corner threes at a pretty good clip. So And he didn't cost anything. So Brissett will be able to play minutes. He will be able to play an up-tempo game. And remember, the Celtics were at their best last season when they played with pace, and he will contribute to that. Now the, uh, the player that we just got from Toronto, another Canadian, a guy that, that uh, is going to get to play in the point guard rotation, and that is... Skinny as a rail, but tall and long, Delano Banton. Uh, What have you got for me on that, Guillermo? Yep, so it seems like he'll be joining the Summer League team, which will have an extra pair of eyes to watch against other players coming up shortly. And also someone who is not quite of a shooter. Uh, Career stats 
27.5 from three-point range, 41.6 field goal range, and 63.2 at the free throw line. Again, someone I see developing, he's only 23 years old, will be 24 in November. And again, we're, that's not, we're not asking for people to go out there and score 20 a night with the players that are on this team. So I think with the slashing that he'll bring, the size, and in that point guard rotation, sometimes Peyton is a little too small to play against pick and rolls. I think he'll, he'll fit great in that. That's an excellent point because obviously Pritchard's going to have a, a big role, especially in the early part of the season, if Malcolm Brogdon can't answer the bell when the season starts. But this does give them defensive versatility. You could play the two of them together and have, you know, you could have Banton on the floor who provides size and length, and he could probably guard multiple positions. And Peyton could play like a two guard almost. The acquisition of Banton gives the Celtics a guy who can play up-tempo and, you know, he may be able to help them in transition offensively and even throw it out to a guy like Pritchard. Defensively, he does give them an extra option, and I think that's, I think that's a plus. And that's newly engaged Peyton Pritchard. Congrats to him and Emma McDonald, who sits next to us in row nine. Uh, so yeah, I just, like you said, I think more versatility, you can put Peyton, who's a shooter at the two, the pick and rolls will be great. I think lobs for them will be great actually too. They're high flyers. I foresee some awesome highlights with dunks. I'm excited for what they're bringing, but I still am looking for Brad to do a little bit more. These guys could be the ninth and 10th men. They could be the 10th and 11th men on the team. So I think, Correct. you know, it's valuable depth. It's low cost flyers on some guys that could, could turn out to be really good players. Banton, you know, some players in New England, some fans in New England might be familiar with him because at one time he was the third highest ranked player in Massachusetts. He played his high school ball in Massachusetts at Redemption Academy, and before that, I think he played at uh, McDuffie School. So he's played high school basketball here in Massachusetts. He, you know, he played for a a program under Nick Nurse, who was the Canadian national head coach. Uh, now Nurse is no longer the coach of the Canadian team. I think it's uh, Joey Fernandez of the Kings, assistant coach there, but. That is a team, the Raptors, who are sort of like the Miami Heat. They develop these guys, like Chris Boucher and other players, that just seemingly come out of nowhere. Like, where they find this guy? And Banton is another guy where, at times when we were watching him play against the Celtics, you thought, he has some potential. So Stevens didn't spend any money on either of these guys. And if they help you win one or two games, these are regular season depth players that maybe develop into something. Yeah, that's correct. And this year you can dress up to 15 players with the new CBA. That'll be interesting. And one was undrafted. Brissett was undrafted four years in the league now. And Banton was drafted in the second round, number 46 by Toronto a couple years ago. 
So, yeah, flyers on them. We'll see what they can bring to the table, maybe in some garbage time or maybe if there's injuries. But we'll see what they can bring to the Celtics. Excellent point there about the new CBA. I believe in years past, last year and for, before that, you could dress 13 players and you could have two in reserve and then you could have your two two-way players. I think we can – can we still have 17 players under this CBA? Can you still have two two-way players? I believe so. I believe so. Okay, but I'll you can dress that, all 15 of yeah. your regular players. And so I think that puts a premium on having – versatility the Celtics can now get situational they have an excellent scoring point guard in Peyton Pritchard and now they have this this high speed long guy that he looks he looks almost like Sean Livingston to me in some ways the old uh, Clippers and Warriors player by the way uh, you mentioned that he will be playing in summer league that was reported by Adam Himmelsbach of the Globe and Adam's been tweeting tonight a couple of things just to get the update, the Celtics will get two second rounders and a second round pick swap in 25. So there's the so it's sort of like two and a half, as you said earlier, Guillermo. And then, of course, Banton will join the Celtics summer league squad. So you'll have Banton and J.D. Davidson uh, running the point and the Celtics will try to get out and run in Las Vegas. Yeah, that'll be some highlight reels there with Jordan Walsh. Yeah, a couple of random thoughts that that I've had because I I saw earlier that uh, the NBA yesterday tweeted out that the new in-game flopping penalty will be in effect on a provisional basis for all summer league games. So I haven't been watching what's been going on in Salt Lake or Sacramento. Apparently, early games for for some of the I think the Hornets and their first round pick have been playing in some of these games. Have you watched any of this? I've watched a little bit of it. Uh, I know Brandon Miller has struggled. I think the first game he had seven personal fouls and six turnovers. The second game tonight, he had eight personal fouls and seven turnovers. Uh, So not, not a good showing out from him, but you see players like Keegan Murray and Jalen Williams from OKC and the Kings they're showing that they are player they are solid NBA players that really don't need to be in the summer league but they're getting their minutes they're getting their 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 bodies ready for the NBA grind and showing out yeah uh, they may not for Las Vegas they may not play in Las Vegas you know they may be shut right. down remember Jalen Brown i think his second or even his third year said he wanted to play summer league and and ended up on the roster some guys like the opportunity to get the runs in. I, I think, you know, in this day and age, teams are like begging to shut their guys down. We'll see how many games Wembiana plays. He, his first game has already sold out in Las Vegas. Wow. Uh, but yeah, so the the new that, that'll be will, against the Hornets. Yeah, it will. So we'll see. And Miller probably will play in that. Here's the new rules that the NBA have. In effect, and it may be similar to what you see in soccer, where if a player flops, they can be given a yellow card, which two of those, then you're ejected from the game. But in the NBA, if a flopping penalty is assessed by game officials, the opposing team will get a free throw and the ball. So, if you flop on a on a play that was not a shooting play, 
let's say just a standard, let's say one of those plays where you're in the backcourt trying to pressure the ball and you flop and, and you're, the other team isn't in the bonus, they get a free throw and they keep the ball. Also, a player who commits a flop will be given a technical foul, which will not count as a personal foul or lead to an ejection. Um, so I guess you cannot be ejected on a technical, but you could get a technical, and then if you get another technical later, that would get you ejected from the game. Also, officials will not be required to stop live play to call a flopping violation. They can wait until the next neutral opportunity to stop play. So similar to soccer, teams can play the advantage. If you flop, we're not going to stop play, but later on, we can we will give you we will assess you that later on after there's the next neutral opportunity. So in other words, if we're on a five on four, you try to flop and we're not gonna punish the team with the ball. So that's interesting. And this will all be in effect, is in effect right now for summer leagues provisionally. So the NBA is taking a look at this. Yeah, and I think that helps with the pace of the game, right? That's just like the the take file that was implemented. You don't want to stop that flow of the game. You want to see those highlights, especially on the fast break. And I think players have gotten smart enough to how to fool the refs. I think of James Harden, who kind of jerks his head every time he's driving the ball and getting those fouls. Maybe those aren't called and they're called a flop even offensively and also uh, what I like that they're doing in summer league is the challenge now if you use your challenge and you win your challenge you get to keep that challenge and use it at another point in time as well I think that'll be fun for the NBA uh, coming up this season yeah, I agree. That's only fair. I'm not a big fan of challenges and, and the length of these games. But if you're going to have one, you should reward teams for successful challenges because sometimes there's obvious plays that you say, well, we got this, right? Somebody behind the bench saying, coach, it's it's black and white, not you know, clear as day. We got this. But if you use it in the second quarter, and you know, you're, you're not going to use it in the second quarter because you realize that you might need something, you know, in a game that you think could go down to the wire, you don't want to use it. So so that's a good one. Um, and you bring up a good point about offensive flopping, because players like James Harden do it all the time. They should get a technical for that, and maybe they will under this new rule. So um, these are positive changes the NBA is making to improve the pace and also to improve the quality of the game for fans, because you know, nobody likes flopping. Now, I will say, and we, we just tweeted out an hour ago, this is a tweet from Lucky's Lounge, the trading of Marcus Smart and now Grant Williams means that this new rule is largely somebody else's problem. <laughs> I mean, Marcus and Grant are going to, they're going to be penalized under this new rule. You just know it's going to happen. Those are your guys. <laughs> I know, but yeah. they have been accused of, of being floppers in the past. A week ago, I would have said, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> but rest assured, when you and I are sitting there in Loge 20 against the, the Mavericks and the Grizzlies, we are going to be saying to Mark Davis and others, hey, come on, where's the flopping foul? Yeah, this is true. I will be yelling that at the top of my lungs. 
I've always defended our our green teamers, so Smart and Grant. I never would say they would flop. And even Blake Griffin on some of those charges, but I'm definitely calling those out at the top of my lungs. And Blake, you know, with the departure of Grant, we need you back, buddy. So uh, yes, if, whatever you're, if you're in cryotherapy right now or wh- wh- maybe wherever you are, Oklahoma, wherever you are, get back to Brad Stevens and, and maybe we can add you as the 15th man again. And to O'Shea and, and Delano and, and all of our young guys, go into the vault and look at some of the Marcus Smart highlights, including the one against James Harden uh, a few years ago. And, uh, you know, listen, if you're good at it, it won't be called. Well, when we come back, what is going on with Jalen Brown and which NBA teams in the East and the West made signings that changed the balance of power? Or did they not? We'll discuss that when we come back on Lucky's Lounge. Stay tuned. We're back, and before we get into the Jalen Brown contract saga, we have to give a shout-out to one of Lucky's heroes. Lucky's hero today is U.S. Army Colonel Brian Donahue, who is the commander, Guillermo, of the U.S. Army Materiel Support Command in Korea. And I don't know how much you folks know about the U.S. military's presence in Korea, but the Korean War officially never ended. So there was no surrender. There was no, I mean, basically what they've got is a a pause, an armistice. But the war is technically, in the minds of the North and South Koreans, is technically still on. And for that reason, we have 28,500 troops over there. And if the balloon ever goes up and we have another war over there, or if it, if it kicks off again, logistics and getting bullets and bombs to our troops over there is going to be critical. And Colonel Brian Donahue, Celtic diehard, uh, who's got his family over there in Korea, uh, is going to be the guy responsible for those logistics efforts. So a huge Lucky's hero and a guy who I know is a big fan and is listening to this podcast right now. So shout out to, to Colonel Donahue. Yeah, thank you, Commander Donahue. Appreciate you and what you're doing. And again, thank you to all the ladies and gentlemen overseas uh, on the front lines, keeping us safe here at home. Yeah, we'll continue with uh, Lucky's Heroes every week. And that again, that is members of the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, Space Force, as well as police and fire and other first responders. Um, you know, yesterday we had a chance to to really bask in the freedom that only Americans truly enjoy. Uh, because of our constitution and, and our great nation, but it takes men and women like Colonel Donahue to keep us free, and, and we truly thank you for that. And, and you know, it allows us to focus on trivial pursuits like how much money is Jalen Brown going to make. Uh, the the numbers are staggering, quite frankly. Uh, I personally. Really, Jalen Brown is the most tenured member of the Celtics. He's been on the team longer than anybody with the departure of Marcus Smart, and he's a very good player, but he's not a great player, as he showed in the Eastern Conference Finals last year and as he showed in the NBA Finals. He's not at the level of the money that he has the potential to make. Guillermo, how much can he make? 
So he can make uh, five years, $307 million, which would be $52.4 million next year and increase 8% annually with the Supermax extension. So let me do the, the math on this. Five years, 300 and what? $7 million. Okay, so, you know, my daughter, Isabella, who's a, a third grader now, can do long division probably better than me, but that's an average of about $61 million a year for a guy who, yes, he was second team all NBA, but I, I don't think, I would not categorize him in the top 15 of NBA players. And you and I went over this one day. He is, <laughs> he is a very good player, but he will be the highest paid player in the NBA very soon. If he gets this deal. Yeah. And it'll just be for a short while. We'll see other players get their super max extensions and surpass the money that he's going to possibly make. Including I one th- Jason Tatum. That is true. I think he is worth the money. He's a homegrown talent. I think we need to protect our homegrown talent. And he's someone who's playoff driven, playoff bound every year that he's been in the league. He's had a hundred over a hundred games in the playoffs. And Lillard and some of these other guys who we fawn over haven't even had the type of games that he's had in the playoffs like a Beal. And again, I think he does deserve the max contract that he can potentially get. Well, I have a lot of thoughts about Damian Lillard, and we'll get to him in a second. But, you know, don't get me wrong. Just because I don't think he's a top 15 player right now, and I don't think he's worth $52 million right now, doesn't mean I don't love him. He is a very, very good player. I think combined with Jason Tatum, it gives us a two-person foundation that is better than any team in the league. And there's so much that he can do. And one thing that I will say about Jalen Brown, by the way, he's only 26 years old. Correct. He's got the body of a Greek God. He's extremely driven. I mean, I know he was at the, the white party up in the Hamptons with, with Jason Tatum and, and Grant Williams. And I wish he was in the gym working on his left hand, but you know that he's (laughs) going to be in the gym a lot this summer. And he's going to, when he gets this extension, he's a guy with integrity that will endeavor to earn that money. And he wants to win as much or more than anybody on this team. And he wants to be great. And he has gotten better every year. He's now a second team all NBA player. And I'm sure he has designs on being a first team all NBA player. Right, and that's one of the things that I love about Jalen is each and every year he's gotten better. He's worked on something to make himself that much better, to be a two-time All-Star and be an All-NBA player like this past season. we He showed videos last year of him underwater working out. I don't think he's shown any of that this year, but that doesn't mean he hasn't been in the lab. And one of my favorite things that I'll always remember if, is if we sign if real quick, if we sign yeah. him to this deal, financially we could be underwater very soon. <laughs> I'll, I'll, so, so I couldn't resist. If one of the fine. favorite things you were about to say one of the favorite things about Jalen. Correct. 
I'll worry about Wick. Uh, the money can uh, be worried about Wick and Brad at another time. But when he was drafted, uh, surprisingly, surprisingly at number three, he said he's willing to go to war for this city. And I think he's done that every chance he's gotten. Yes, he was trying to water a plant this past postseason and cut his hand. <laughs> and that could have had to do with the left hand or just the turnovers that he had. That's what I'm going to blame it on. And he had the shooting hand. It was his dribbling hand, his right hand. I'm still going to call that out as far as why it it happened. But, and he also had the wrist issue a couple years ago when we played against the Nets in the playoffs as well. So I want a healthy Jalen Brown this postseason with less workload, having poor Zingas and see what he can bring to the table, hopefully getting this max extension. Well, you know, I I think you're right. I mean, at this point, having traded Marcus Smart and, and Grant Williams, what choice do the Celtics have? Now, I think Jalen Brown and Grant Williams both have leadership positions in the Players' Union, and, and Jalen Brown and, and the president, Malcolm Brockton, Brogdon are both known for their social justice bona fides and their their leadership. This is a chance for Jalen to show some leadership in another way. I mean, does he think just because he's eligible for it that he should get 35% of the salary cap? One way that he could show a lot of maturity and a lot of leadership is to take less because it could help the Celtics. How much do you really care about winning a championship. If you take right. 30% or 31%, that would say a lot. You know, when the Celtics acquired, you know, I got my season tickets when we got Ray Allen in a trade with the Supersonics for Wally Zerbiak, Delonte West. That's when I got my my tickets. And then we got Garnett after that. And people said, Doc Rivers said, this will work because – these guys are old enough. They've made their money. They've got their fame. It's win or bust at this point. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum aren't quite there yet. And they're going to get their bags this year and next and make astronomical, insane amounts of money, but they haven't won. And at, at some point, how much money do you need? If Jalen is smart enough to realize that I don't need 52 million. I don't need 300 million. I could take 250 or 260. If he's smart enough to do that, the Celtics could become, I dare say, dynastic. But if he signs this deal because his agent's telling him, look, you can get it. They have no choice. You have the leverage. We could be in a bad spot. And, and, you know, Delano Bantons of the world might be all we get for the next few years. Yeah, I think one thing, and I know that money's different and, and the NBA is different, but Michael Jordan, who people say is the GOAT, only made $94 million in his NBA career. So to make 52.4 in one year, like you're making more than half of what Jordan made in his whole playing career. Like you said, if you want to be a team player, if you want to be dynastic, if you want to do this for the long haul, and I know he has because we've done multiple playoff seasons 
and Eastern Conference Finals. Take less, make it work so that we can build around you guys. You're still going to be part of the core, the most tenured Celtic that we have. And let's do this for the long term. And like he wants, get multiple rings, not just one, like the Ke- uh, Kevin Garnett era. Well, yeah. And, and uh, you know, money, Jalen, I, I know you're you're an educated man and, and you have wisdom beyond your years. So maybe you already realize that money doesn't buy you happiness. Okay. Ask Rudy Gobert about money right now. Ask Damian Lillard about money or James Harden. I mean, I don't know if those three guys are all that fulfilled right now. The situation matters. The winning matters. And I'm not talking about ring chasing like Damian Lillard is apparently trying to do. I'm talking about being part of something special like Golden State has, like we've had in the past. And, you know, the Celtics have great fans and Jalen has a lot of really vehement backers in this town. And and we're going to be happy for him no matter what, if he gets this deal. But I think he could sign for less than the Supermax, still have the term that players love saying these days, generational wealth. I mean, that's almost laughable. If he signs this deal, I don't think there'll be a person with the last name of Brown that will will not that will ever go hungry again given this this kind of money. I mean, his great grandchildren will be will have legacy scholarships to Harvard or anywhere else that they want to go. This is insane money. Um, he hasn't earned it, but he's eligible for it. And I know that if he does get it, he will endeavor to earn it because very few people work harder than Jalen Brown. Yeah, we talked about. For- Go ahead. No, I'm just looking forward to see what happens in the next coming days. It's been really quiet on the extension front, so willing to waiting to see what happens there. Well, number two on me too. Number two on Lucky's list tonight is uh, the topic that everyone in the NBA national media has been talking about ad nauseum since he announced his intention to seek a trade, and that is Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard first said he wanted to be traded and then said he wanted to be traded to Miami and has been leaking to Chris Haynes of TNT, or yeah, I think he's with Turner, that he only wants to go to Miami. That's the only place he wants to go. But other teams have been linked to him, including the Brooklyn Nets and, yes, the Celtics. It's been rumored that Jason Tatum has placed a call to Dame Dalla and wants him in Boston. How much stock do you put into that rumor? Would you like to see Damian Lillard here? And what would it take to get him, Guillermo? I think definitely that Tatum has reached out to him. They've played in all-star games together. They played for Team USA together. I think they have a bond and a connection. And I hope Tatum is using that, right? This is a superstar league where superstars align and and join each other. So make that call, the text, whatever you need to do, Tatum, to support your team and get you over the hump to get that ring, go ahead and do it. I would love for Damian Lillard to join the Celtics, but I still would like to keep Jalen Brown. So I'm a Jalen Brown fan. I want to keep Jalen Brown here. I don't want to trade 
Jalen Brown for Lillard. I think once he gets here and he sees those banners and embraces the culture and the fans that we have, I think he'll commit. He signed for four years. He doesn't have a no trade clause. Once he's here, I think he'll join an elite team and have it easy so to where he'll love it here once he comes. Well, there's a lot of things to unpack here. And the first thing is, how the heck would we be able to get him? Who's ma- He's making $45 million a year. Right. How would we be able to get him without trading Jalen Brown? I mean, we're not trading... I don't even know if we can trade Porzingis. We're not trading Tatum. So if you don't trade Jalen Brown, then you're going to have to give up another one of your elite guards, whether that's Malcolm Brogdon or Derek White. Now, I'm I'm thinking it would be Brogdon because he makes $22.5 million, which still puts you about $20 million short. So how does that work? Would it be a three-team trade? Maybe it is. Peyton Pritchard, who's who's an Oregon native, I think he might even be a, a Portland native. Um, he makes four million. Do you, you? Seems like you'd have to give up either Al or Rob, along with Brogdon. Yeah, and we just got the trade exception, uh, six point four million for okay Grant Williams. So oh, I see I you. Okay, you package that up. And again, I would love to keep Rob and Al Platano Power, but if you absolutely <laughs> have to involve them and not have a three-team deal where the Blazers can get more picks, because that's what they're looking for is young talent and picks for their rebuild, then you'd bring in a third team like the Spurs who haven't hit their cap yet and hopefully pull something off that way. Well, you mentioned this being a superstar league and, you know, Jason Tatum picking up the phone. I mean, you embrace that. I absolutely hate that. And this is what I'm, this is what LeBron James has done to the league. Correct. It's just expected the players, you know, I mean, I hear everybody and everybody on Twitter, it's a player's league. The players have all the power and Damian Lillard is sitting there and, you know, he's been loyal to a, to this point, and he should be commended for that. But now that he's demanding a trade, I don't see the Trailblazers as owing him anything, nothing. They owe him nothing in my eyes. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely agree, especially if it was rumored that they had met prior to the draft and free agency and were on the same page of staying together. you, You mentioned that last week. Correct. And then they re-signed Jeremy Grant to a crazy extension, $160 million. Well, now they, they have that, that, there's no ink on the paper yet for that, Guillermo. Now, they've True. said that they will honor that commitment, but True. they don't have to do that deal. Yeah. They're I'm, going to, but they don't have to now. Right. And because, you know, Damian Lillard demanding a trade, that changes everything. Yeah, I think so, especially – they were going to draft anyway and keep the number three pick because he's 33 years old and you can get a player who's projected to be amazing as Scoot Henderson is with Anthony Simons, with Shaden Sharp, who's also projected to be amazing and continue to build a young core 
for the Blazers fans. But for him to flip-flop after free agency and say, I want to trade, and then it only has to be the Heat, I like you said, I don't think they owe him anything. No, I mean, they've ga- they gave him the Supermax at his advanced age. I think they paid him $40 million last year. He's going to get $45 million this year. And that grant signing, that insane amount of money, $160 million, that was clearly intended to be a move to – placate Lillard and then he turns around and does this so Miami is basically saying yeah we'll take him and you can have anybody on our roster not named Butler or Adebayo and so the best piece they have is Tyler Hero and as you mentioned with Scoot Henderson and Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp they don't want Tyler Hero so for Tyler Hero, who, by the way, pulled down his Twitter bio, took a, took the words Miami Heat off of his Twitter bio and took some Correct. things off, um, he clearly knows he's on the move. He will leave Miami and go maybe not to Portland, but maybe to Brooklyn. This could be a three-team trade involving the Nets. But do you see I, – I would applaud Portland if they traded him to wherever they could get the best deal. Maybe it's Miami in a three-team trade. Maybe it's Brooklyn. Maybe it's us. As we said, Brad has seven second-round picks. He's got two first-rounders next year, and we own all of our first-rounders going forward. Maybe the Celtics can land him. But I think Portland should do what's in the best interest of Portland and forget about Miami. And I have more things to say about Miami, but I wanted to give you a chance to, to talk about this. Yeah, I think they should, like you said, do what's in the best interest for the Portland Trailblazers. If they want to wait it out and see what other teams are willing to increase in their offers as time goes on, as Summer League goes on, and maybe even through the start of the season, why not? If he really wants to sit and lose money, then put that ball in his court and see if he's willing to do that. But they should definitely be greedy and take what they want in a trade. Now, what I'm about to say is going to sound like whining, but <laughs> it's not. The Celtics have, you know, in our 17 championships, essentially we have won, we have acquired the players that we won with. Sometimes through, with the help of lucky, we've, we've been lucky, you, you know, Reggie Lewis and Len Bias notwithstanding, we've been, lucky in some cases, but we've been smarter than everybody else. And in the free agency era, very few players have wanted to come, superstars certainly, have wanted to come to Boston. Gordon Hayward was a star. I think the Brad Stevens relationship had everything to do with that. And Al Horford, certainly a a very good player, who was dissed by his hometown team. The Hawks electing to give money, I think, to Josh Smith before him or Dwight Howard before him. And so Al bailed on them. But we haven't we don't have the advantages that the Lakers and the Heat have. You want to we, we hear all the time about Heat culture and Pat Riley and the military style culture that they run there, you know, the checking people's body fat and and, and the grinding sort of culture and the, the brilliance of Eric Spolstra. But the reality is how many championships do they have, Guillermo? The, uh, sorry, three with Dwayne Wade. Three. They got three? 
or four? Three, right? I believe it's three. Yes, I believe it's three. Okay. So we are talking about um, 2006, right? right? Antoine Walker got a championship with that team. And Gary Payton got a championship with that team. Yep. A couple of ring-chasing vets, right? And and this is just a random thought, but, you know, Gary Payton is not half the point guard that John Stockton was. Is his legacy greater than John Stockton's because he got a ring, chasing a ring as a a fourth or fifth option for for Miami? Hell no, it's not. (laughs) Okay, but that team in 2006, and then the two teams with LeBron James, right? Correct. That's heat culture. Heat culture is basically acquiring Shaquille O'Neal in a trade because Kobe Bryant demanded that he be dealt and Shaq had some leverage in where he was going to go. And they got him for really 50 cents on the dollar because Shaq wanted to go there and Shaq had leverage. And LeBron James and Chris Bosh, they were unrestricted free agents. They went there. Uh, That was sort of like, you know, Kevin Durant going to Golden State. The fact that they only won two championships with with the team that they had does not speak well to the Miami Heat. They should remember when they announced, you know, not two, not three, not four. I mean, they thought they were going to win six with that team, and they probably should have. But a real winning culture in San Antonio knocked him off the perch. Frankly, if it wasn't for another guy that, you know, the heat culture got Ray Allen, they only would have won one. But I'm sick of hearing about heat culture because really what it amounts to is no state tax, some incredible <laughs> nightlife. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if it's DJ Khaled or, or what they've got going on down there, but NBA players, the kind of, you know, young men that, make up the NBA, many of them want to go and live and, and enjoy South Beach and play down there, but they're not entitled to Damian Lillard. They're just not. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, this is a franchise who, for some odd reason, retired Michael Jordan's 23, uh, which I never understood. And not for nothing, I think they just buy their players. like. I know Bam was drafted by them, but they went and got Jimmy. They like the big three. They had Wade, but then they went and got Bosch and LeBron. So I don't really. Well, it it doesn't hurt to be smart. I mean, they listen, their front office is very smart and they Correct. have gotten, they have developed undrafted players, uh, but they they don't do anything without Jimmy Butler, right? Correct. Philly blew it by letting Jimmy Butler go. They, they made a really bad financial decision under yep. their old, uh, you know, burner account GM. They blew it, and <laughs> Miami benefited. They also benefited from the LeBron James Chris Bosh decision, which, you know, Pat Riley is a guy that has a lot of cachet and a lot of credibility. So I don't right. begrudge them any of that. But you know, if if you are in the state legislature in Massachusetts, we need to talk because we need to get rid of our state tax. Look at the Rockets. The Rockets just made the biggest splash in free agency in getting Fred Van Vliet. And they have the nightlife and they have no state tax. And that makes a big deal. I mean, players going to California, you know, they got to pay a 13.3% state tax. 
And in Massachusetts, I think it's about five. But if you have the nightlife and you have the weather, you know, you have an advantage. And we don't have the weather and we have state tax. So, you know, we got to be smarter than everybody else. But I'm just, I'm so sick of this. I'm really upset by the Lillard thing. And if the heat get him, good luck. You know, he's 33 (laughs) years old. He could put, he could put us over the top. I don't know if he puts Miami over the top. Maybe he does. But I'm just, I'm sick of hearing all these reporters acting like they owe it to him to send him to where he wants to go. I think it's exactly the opposite because they tried to appease him. They offered Grant that deal and then he, and then he does this. So I I don't think they owe him anything. Yeah. The state tax is unfortunately 6.25%. And the nightlife is not (laughs) great as everything closes at 2 AM. But like you said, I think with, if that, does happen in a trade, they've already lost some depth with their undrafted guys like Struess and Vincent moving on. And then they would probably have to move on from Hero, like you said, who took down all his heat stuff off of his Twitter, and probably even the Duncan Robinson. I know they want to keep Caleb Martin, but they might have to give up Caleb Martin as well. So there's no bench there. You can't win with three guys. That'd be interesting to see, but I would definitely, again, would love to have Dame Lillard being green. Well, they could certainly ask, you know, Kenny Atkinson about how those kind of super teams work out, but depth is important, and um, and we got to worry about that as well. Final item on Lucky's list tonight is the rest of NBA free agency. Now, we have seen Fred Van Vliet get the biggest deal so far, the Rockets making a lot of splashes, Milwaukee retaining – the guys they needed to retain, the Lakers making a lot of signings, and apparently they may not even be done yet. Guillermo, what do you think uh, was the big, the team that made the most hay in free agency that benefited the most, and and uh, who do you think is still out there for the Celtics to, to consider? A lot of the names that you rattled off last week are gone. A couple are still there. Um, so which teams made the biggest – pluses and and who do you think you'd like to see the Celtics get and then I'll give mine uh the teams that made the biggest pluses was definitely Houston Uh, I told you if wherever Van Vliet goes he's gonna be a game changer so I definitely foresee them being a playoff team coming up this year or definitely even a play-in team I still don't understand the Dylan Brooks signing for that amount of money four years 80 million dollars but Hats off to them. They had the money to spend. I like what the Pacers have done in bringing in Bruce Brown. I think he definitely uh, brings an awesome culture to that team, that young team who also re-signed Halliburton. I know a lot of people have said that the Lakers won free agency. For me, they basically just re-signed their quote-unquote guys and brought in Gabe Vincent. Uh, and I still would like to see Very good player, Gabe Vincent. Yes, yes, definitely showed that in the playoffs. I definitely would like to see more wing depth for the Celtics and even some bigs. I would like to see possibly Will Barton uh, bring back Blake Griffin. Just more depth, better players that have shown they've played in the league for multiple years 
not just the four years or the two years that Brissett and Banton have played, but have played minutes, have contributed, and can show signs of support when we need that depth. Yeah, I think uh, I agree that Houston coach Udoka is going to have, he inherits a, a roster that is very different from the one that was deep in the lottery last year. I think the Rockets are, are out of the tanking business. Um, Brooks is a good player. I mean, he didn't answer the bell against the Lakers, but ask Jason Tatum how he feels going up against Dylan Brooks. Um, he's, he is an instigator. He's a tough defender. And Van Vliet is a, also a very good player. So, yeah, I agree that Houston won. I don't think, you know, I don't get put a lot of stock in Dallas just because they, I think the Kyrie deal was a bad trade, but but they will be better with Tybal and Grant Williams. They're going to be better. Um, I think Phoenix, the signing of Eric Gordon is huge. Mm. You know, they got yeah. Bradley Beal, but getting Eric Gordon, you know, Denver loses, you know, losing Bruce Brown and Jeff Green off that team. I think they lose. I don't know. You know, they're still the favorite in the West, but I, watch out for Phoenix. Um, and I think, you know, the West is going to be wide open with teams like Sacramento, Phoenix. Um, and, you know, with Dallas and Houston being better, it, it's going to be good. I look at the, you know, in our division, so far, we see Philadelphia getting Patrick Beverly, but they're in a real bad spot right now with James Harden. You know, Harden could end up going to the Clippers. He wants to go to the Clippers. Um, so Philadelphia could be in trouble. The Knicks, you know, trying to do a Villanova reunion with Dante DiVincenzo joining Josh Hart, who re-signed, and, and uh, Jayla Brunson. I think the Knicks are going to be a team to watch out for. Um, Toronto, obviously probably taking a step back. Um, who would I like to see us get? I, I really don't know, you know, who's out there that, that we could get for a minimum salary, but there's got to be, you know, some wings out there that we could get. And we need another big now. With Grant being gone, I think we need another big player. And, and you know, I don't know who that is, but but we'll have how you, to. Uh, how do you feel about Biombo? You know, when he played with Phoenix, I think he had some moments. I, I think as a minimum salary guy, he I think he would be a good signing or for, a TJ, for the minimum. T.J. Warren, Terrence Ross. I like Terrence Ross. And Warren, if he could, you know, remember T, bubble T.J. Warren was elite, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think that playing alongside the Jays and the Unicorn is going to afford somebody some really good shots. You know, I think O'Shea Brissett from the corner, you know, he's going to, he's going to be better than, than he was in Indiana, certainly. But, you know, a guy like Terrence Ross would be a good guy. I mean, so those are, those are good names. I think the Celtics might still be able to get some guys on minimum that are ring, ring chasing that can make a big difference. Yeah. And some of the ads that I like that Houston also made, they, Got Jeff Green, Uncle Jeff. They got Jock Landale from Phoenix. And Phoenix also, on top of Eric Gordon, they added Damian Lee. They added uh, Bates Diop and Eubanks, all players who shot over 40, uh, or sorry, 35% from three last year. Uh, So they'll definitely be deadly out West. You know, Phoenix kind of has what we have. I mean, if you have 
you start the game with Tatum, Brown, and Porzingis, you can have two of them on the floor at any given time. So there's not a, a precipitous drop when your one scorer falls off. I mean, when Tatum was off the floor last year, we had problems scoring. Uh, but if you have two other guys, not just one guy, but two, you can't just key on one. Phoenix has that as well with the addition of Bradley Beal. It will be interesting to see. We'll have a lot of time to talk about it next week. Next week, we'll also be talking about Summer League games because the Celtics Summer League season starts on Monday, right, Guillermo? It starts, I believe, this upcoming weekend. It starts this Saturday versus the Heat. We play Saturday? Yeah, at 3 o'clock. Oh, boy. Well, I I still got some negotiation to do with my wife to see if I can hop in the vehicle and, and get out to <laughs> Vegas for that game. But regardless, we'll be watching it. We know you will as well. We want to thank you for joining us here on the official home of rabid Celtic fans here, Lucky's Lounge, and, and we hope you'll join us next week. Guillermo, final thoughts for this pod? Continue to support us. Thank you, Stoughton team, for listening. I know we're getting a lot of listens for Stoughton. I uh, appreciate you guys, and keep sharing it. Yeah, Stoughton, uh, Boston, obviously in the Metro, we're getting a lot of, of big listens. Also a lot of listens in Rhode Island. But uh, where are my New Hampshire peeps, my Vermont peeps? Come on, Celtics Nation. We got people in South Korea. We need we need uh, more people out there in, in the Green Hills of Vermont. Well, thank you for listening. If you're, as Guillermo said, continue to spread the word. Like subscribe and give us those five-star ratings and we will see you next Wednesday night on another edition of Lucky's Lounge. Have a great week, everybody.